Welcome to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. I'm Patty Vest. And I'm Mark Wood. This season on SageCast, we'll be talking to current and former Pomona faculty about the personal, professional, and intellectual journeys that have brought them to where they are today. Today, we're talking with the head coach for men's and women's stage and water polo teams, Alex Rodriguez, who is also the assistant coach for men's water polo for Team USA. Welcome, Alex. It's good to have you with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's exciting. Uh, so let's let's start with why you chose water polo. Um, <laughs> I, what do you love about the sport? Um, I love I mean, I love the sport. Um, I don't know if I chose water polo. I kind of fell into water polo. Um, I love basketball, and uh, I, j- I just had an interview on Monday where I told them I, I couldn't shoot very well, I wasn't very fast, and I couldn't jump. Um, so <laughs> freshman, year, freshman year in high school, I didn't play at all, and I always swam. My mom put me in swimming and put me – I was always busy. And, um, you know, water polo, I started water polo my sophomore year in high school, actually, Aww. and it was a smooth transition. And, um, I loved it. I loved it that I was, uh, pretty, uh, good at it, uh, pretty quickly. And, um, it, it translates, it's a little bit of basketball where you're, 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 you're ball handling tactically. It's a lot about basketball and in my swimming skills that I already had really helped me, uh, progress. So that's how I chose it, how I love it. Um, you know, I think, uh, there's a lot of different sports out there, obviously a lot of different forms of in- entertainment and, Water polo to me is um, energetic. Like I think one of the best uh, events to go on campus is to come watch the guys and the girls play. It's an hour. It's action packed. Um, a little bit of violence, a little bit of uh, <laughs> athleticism, um, fitness. You know, pretty much we're all pretty fit. Um, it's a clean sport. Um, the crowd is normally. Um, really kind and engaged. I mean, they'll get into you a little bit, but not like other sports generally. And then also too, I think there's an education component that I love. Um, my sport's a niche sport. It's small. Um, there's not, if you want to make millions of dollars, uh, you shouldn't go into water polo. <laughs> so most, most athletes are using water polo kind of to get into a college scenario. And, um, and then they might play, a, you know, we've had a couple of athletes play, uh, international after um just for the travel not not to make money and so i think you have a different kind of person that chooses water polo someone who's like a little bit more ac- academic um and um you have a little bit more of a uh educational component you know to the to the process you don't have that push for uh, i want my kid to be an nba or nfl and uh you don't have that pressure and you don't have you don't have that, uh, that kind of, uh, the, the bad part of it, you know, like kids, kid, parents trying to get their kids, whatever they can to make as much money as they can. Yeah. And for me, just watching a swimmer come halfway out of the water and stay there, um, yeah. is, is amazing. <laughs> the, the, the fitness and the, the skill involved in that are just astounding yeah. to me. I, and, you know, I love, um, you know, I'm very appreciative and I enjoy Pomona Pitzer colleges and what it's done for me and my life and my family. But I really love coaching like the younger levels, like uh, seeing, uh, seeing a kid, especially that's never played water polo or 
and their parents come in, they're like, oh, I'm not sure about this. And they think their kid's going to drown the first like day or two going up and down. And, and I have found it's easier for me to teach a, a brand new person how to swim through water polo than through swimming. Because huh, really? generally most people, well, because you, you start chasing the ball, yeah. you know, you start, you kind of like, and you'll, you do. <laughs> and you, but you'll forget about the fact that you're like swimming, you know? And so I, I just, I enjoy that process of them. Like, Oh, I'm struggling coach. I'm going to drown. No, I can't do this. I can't do this. And then suddenly out of the blue, um, they're just going cause they want to, they want to play, you know, and then, and they kind of forget, Oh, I've been out here for 20, 30 minutes. I haven't touched the bottom. You know? <laughs> they forget to be afraid. Yeah. Your mind's a powerful uh, ally and, and enemy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Alex, tell us a little bit about your own um, collegiate experience. Um, you transferred to Pepperdine as a walk-on, I believe. Yeah. And then yes. um, you were an integral part of their 97 NCAA championship team. team. Tell yes. us a little bit about that experience. Uh, so my, 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 I feel in my career athletically led to kind of who I am. Um, so I, again, I started water polo in high school as a sophomore, uh, had a swimming background, but we didn't have a water polo team my freshman year. And I transitioned a little bit from basketball, which I love, but I, again, I didn't play too much and, uh, wasn't uh, the greatest player. And then water polo just kind of took off pretty quickly. Like I, I enjoyed swimming. I enjoyed being in the pool. And I do enjoy like a team competitive environment. Um, but uh, my high school, which we lost in the CF finals uh, in my senior year, wasn't in a high division. We were in a lower division. We weren't very good. So I went to a junior college, which we had some success there as well. But um, I'm only like 5'11". And uh, I think in, at that time, I was like 160. Uh, I'm not the biggest of guys. In D1, you're normally looking at guys six to you know, like when I went to Pepperdine, our two meter, our center, which is the guy who sits in the middle of the pool, was like 6'4", 290, 295. And he was a big boy. He could swim just as fast as I could. So I used to play center in high school and junior college. And then when I went to Pepperdine, I had to like, I basically had to learn a whole new game because I was not able to do what I was doing for a long time. <laughs> um, so transferring in, yeah, it wasn't really – I. I wasn't really recruited at all. I, uh, I wanted to go to Pepperdine because a guy named Terry Schroeder, who was a coach, he was considered the best center in the world. And I was a center and he was coaching there and he's actually the statue in front of the Coliseum, uh, mm. the perfect body. So in, in 1984, he was chosen as that guy. And, um, and I, I really wanted to go there. I didn't really, I didn't probably didn't make the wisest uh, decision in my college search. I was wanting to play water polo in college and um, uh, several of those uh, colleges were choices based on their programs. And um, so when I went there, yeah, I didn't get a sniff. Like I remember the first practice, we, we warmed up, we did some drills, we did some shooting and then we scrimmaged for like an hour and a half and I didn't touch the water. Um, but by then I think I had like a little bit, I, I've always been the type of person that I'm not scared to be told no. And I'm not really, I'm, I'm scared of failure. I think everyone's scared of failure at some certain level, but my, my level is a little higher than I think most. So I was irritated that I didn't play. I didn't care if all the guys were bigger than me and faster than me. Well, I was actually pretty fast, but they were way bigger and stronger than I was. I just kind of had like a chip on my shoulder and just through that summer training, 
I quickly moved up. And in my junior year, I was actually the leading scorer of the team. And, um, and in my senior year, when we brought um, our center, Alan Herman, and Jack Coker off of uh, redshirt, um, and then we brought in an, a, another JC transfer that was uh, amazing. Uh, now we were stacked. We, so we suddenly were like an average team, um, probably at the bottom of our conference to uh, we only lost three games my senior year. Um, and we were three and one versus USC. Uh, we were three and one versus Stanford and three and one versus Cal, which were the three best teams other than us. So did you know you wanted to coach when you were in college or did that come later? No, yeah, it came during college. I think during college, I, um, I really regretted losing my, my senior year CIF final. I, I played bad. And, um, I, my coach, uh, who was really hard on me at the time, but he, he, he put everything he could into our team. And I, and I felt like I just, I just fell down. I let him down. I let my, my mom down and my mom's like a real, uh, strength of my life in regards to athletics she was the one who you know taught me how to ride a bike and tried to teach me to play baseball I'm Cuban American so uh, baseball was the hope of my family um, <laughs> uh, but uh I think um it was uh I feel I just feel like I let him down and I I, I I think I just had the idea I wanted to go play in Europe and um, I, I don't know if I had some great long-term plans in regards of what I'm going to do with my career. Um, but I, I wanted to go back and coach and like win a CF title for my coach. Like that's, that was kind of my, my plan. And I don't know if I thought too much further past that. <laughs> so tell us how you find your, how you found your way to Claremont to the Claremont colleges. Oh, so um, yeah. And, you know, I think, uh, I was at, I was, I actually went back and was assistant coach at Pepperdine. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, I was applying to a couple of jobs. I was definitely in that point of my life that I, I, uh, I wanted to be the, the man in charge, the head coach. And I actually applied to UC Santa Barbara and Pomona Pitzer at the same time. And I, I really, I only applied to Pomona Pitzer because my parents are close by. It was division three. Um, it wasn't really known as a water pool, uh, Haven in any, in any form or fashion. Um, and I was upset that I didn't make it farther in the process at, in Santa Barbara. And then I did make it to the final three here at Pomona Pitzer. And then on my interview, I, I think I fell in love. Like <laughs> it was the longest interview of my life. It was about 12 hours. And, uh, yeah, it was like, I came and met Lisa Beckett. And uh, Jen Scanlon actually gave me a little tour and I met with like the committee and I met with the department Then I met with the Pomona president Then I met with the Pitzer president. Then I came back and met with both teams at night. Um, so it was, but I loved it because every time I went into a room, uh, you could tell the people interviewing me read everything I submitted because I had to submit a coaching philosophy. I had obviously my resume. I submitted some playbook stuff that I, I do. And you can tell that every single person, presidents, read and were prepared to interview me. And I, I, I like that. I, uh, I, I wanted to be somewhere where I felt like um, people cared about what they were doing and how they were doing it. So that kind of uh, won me over, to be honest, right there. And then when they offered me a job, 
Um, I, I knew the Terry, sorry, uh, Terry uh, was never interested in leaving because I, at that time, I probably wanted to be the Pepperdine head coach. And, um, and I just, I decided, oh, let me try this out closer to home. My parents are very important to my life. And, um, you know, as I got here, there was moments that I was like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? Because <laughs> the boys especially were not uh, that, that uh, competitive. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the kids, the kids are remarkable. Um, you know, they, I, I push, I, I think any, if you interview any of my athletes or former athletes, I push pretty hard. Um, I have a lot of expectations and um, they, uh, they appreciate it. They, they want it. I, I, until recently, I never even had like penalties for kids coming late to practice or anything like that because that or missing practice that never happened. Um, everyone shows up on time. Uh, kids generally are pushing me to get more information out to them than than I do. So I I, I like that engagement. Um, I've had several times that I've been very defensive because water polo is a small sport. And the men's side, we're talking about fifty programs. On the women's side, sixty-five programs. There's eleven hundred colleges and universities. Um, so with this small sport, you, we have to compete in a division one, two, three world, where there's no like division three world just exclusively for us, which I think my athletes love actually. Um, cause they get to, they get to be in the water with like possible Olympians and the best kids in the world. And I remember my fourth or fifth year here, I had a kid named Dylan O'Connell. We actually drove and played Oxy and Caltech in a double header. And, and they're generally, you know, um, at the bottom half of our conference. And Dylan was frustrated uh, with our day. And, and, and at that time of the season, we were, we just won two, our first two games of the season. We were two and 13 at that point of our season. So me, I was very appreciative of having some wins. And uh, <laughs> Dylan was frustrated and he was like, I'd rather go play USC and get our butts kicked. Like, I, you know, I feel like I'm more engaged. Da-da-da. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm just happy I got two wins. But uh, I was actually proud that Dylan had his attitude because I think sometimes as we are educating the current kids that we have, uh, a lot of things have changed in the last 20 years. And I think sometimes the kids are scared to fail and they sometimes don't, won't give an answer unless they know the answer because they don't want to be wrong. And I think sometimes that's what we're failing as educators and I think what I try to provide in water polo, and I think I have a very easy opportunity because, again, I don't have a Division Three world where I can like really just excel. We're going to have, we're going to play games that we're not going to have any chance of winning. And I think at the end of the day, it's good for these kids to go in these scenarios and know that I'm not going to stop yelling at them. I'm not going to sit. If you come to one of my games and we're playing UCLA and we're losing. 18 to one, I'm not sitting and moping, I'm yelling. I'm just, I have expectations and they have to fulfill the expectations that I have. And I don't care. I don't care. You chose to come to Pomona Pitzer. We're a division three program. You should be comfortable with that decision. We're playing a D1 team. No one expects you to win. Just go out. I only expect you to do is play your best and execute the things we've been working. Yeah. Um, so you, you came to Pomona Pitzer in 2005. Is that right? So it's been 15 years you've been mm -hmm. here. How, how has the program evolved through that time? And, and if you had to pick oh, two or three moments that you'll never forget, what would they be? Um, well, the, the men's side was, uh, 
you know, I think we won the conference in 2008. So it took, it took us a couple of years, but uh, in 2008, we won the conference. It was 28 years since our previous championship in uh, 1980. <laughs> yeah. um, so so uh, I think um, the women have been competitive when I got here. And I think, uh, I, I, I think it's hard not to be the type of women we get here, it's hard not to be competitive. I think you have women who, who are a little bit more mature. They, they know what they want and they're, and they're not scared. Uh, the, the type of kids we get, it seems like from one of Pitzer. So I, I, uh, been very fortunate with the women's side, uh, to have a, a easier time in competing in the conference. Um, memories, I, I, unfortunately, I think, uh, my highlights have been, uh, probably, more early on, uh, you know, I, you know, obviously uh, uh, getting over the hill and winning. So I would say my first two championships on both sides um, was uh, very meaningful. But uh, the, personally, the two, I have two moments that are really meaningful because uh, obviously my son, he's about to turn five. Uh, my wife got pregnant, where you got pregnant um, in uh, 2000. 14 and 2014. Yeah, sorry. And um, we were about to play LMU in NorCal. And um, I'm sleeping in a hotel room and I, I got, so I know the crowd can't see, but I got, I got my phone. It was like five o'clock in the morning. I, I couldn't like see. And I was like, oh, it's five o'clock. I'm going back to bed. Oh, no. And, oh, no. and um, when, when I woke up like an hour later, she just sent like the, the, the test uh, was said pregnant <laughs> and I got all emotional and we're about to play an eight o'clock game against LMU. And then she, she, so we, I call her, I'm excited. Um, uh, we, uh, we talk on the phone, but then at the end of it, she's like, you can't tell anybody because I didn't know I, I'm an only child. So I don't know about this. And she's like, you can't tell anyone until the first trimester. And I'm like, are you kidding me? How am I not going to tell anybody this? <laughs> so I'm sitting in the bus and I'm immediately texting my, one of my best friends, like Jack, Oh my gosh, wake up. You got, I got to tell you something. <laughs> um, and then uh, my co-coach Alex Law is sitting there and he knows something's wrong. And, uh, and I'm sitting there, I'm trying to play cool. And uh, the team gets off the bus. Okay. They're in, we're walking in the, and we're in the parking lot. And Alex is like, what's going on? I'm like, Chris is pregnant. And Alex Law starts bawling, crying. He hugs me. So he, he's hugging me. I'm hugging him back. We're both crying. And here comes LMU. The walking, like, we're in the middle. Two men hugging, crying. And LMU's walking around us into the pool. Um, so anyways, we go on and play the game. I don't tell the team. I don't tell the team. We go on and play oh the game. Goodness. And we actually beat LMU for the first time in our history. And so I'm so oh, excited. Wow. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing experience. Okay, now fast forward. And uh, now it's 2016. I just came off my sabbatical for the Olympics. And um, I kind of had the inkling someone was going on, but uh, we're about to play UCI. Now, UCI is historically one of the top historical programs. But they're a little down, but historically, like, one of the top programs. And I felt good. We walked in, and these are both on the men's side because also my kids were born, uh, or I found out she was pregnant at that time. But um, now we're playing UCI. Now we show up, and we're again at the same tournament, actually. 
Um, and the guys are warming. My guys are focused. They're, they're, they look like the D1 team and the UCI guys who lost. That's why they're playing us. They're like, they're just sitting around and, you know, it's a morning game. They're upset. They lost a pepperoni the day before. So anyways, um, we're about to start the game and I had my, I normally don't have my phone on me, but I had my phone and I could see my wife sent me a text and I'm like, Oh, I just put it in my pocket, you know? And I turned off the, the vibration. Well, anyways, we're going to overtime. We beat UCI. <laughs> UCI seventh in the country at that time. This is like my biggest win of my career. Um, I'm so excited. And then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm texting my wife that we actually won. And, and I can see there's like 10 or 15 texts. I text her, we won. And I call her. I'm like, oh my gosh, we got to prepare for Air Force. I'll call you back. And then she sends me a text that, uh, that she's sad. And I'm like, why are you sad? And she, she's absent. My daughter was, she was pregnant again and she sent it on top, but she thought my, some of the kids might have my phone or my iPad tagging the game, my managers. So she sent a bunch of texts suddenly to try to hide that. And I didn't actually scroll <laughs> up and read all the texts. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, you're pregnant again. I'm like, can we wait for the third one to be like, the Olympics or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it so seems to be a yeah. Good luck, huh? <laughs> yeah. So, no, this one, uh, this one came a little earlier, so no, no game. But um, uh, yeah, my two biggest wins happened to be <laughs> when uh, my wife told me we are pregnant. So uh, that was exciting. Yep, that is that is exciting. That's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's, it's interesting. The kids, uh, and the kid, it took a while for the kids, especially the first one. The kids took a while to like understand it. And I think I told them the story at the the banquet. Like, well, obviously, once we told everybody, I told the parents, and not everyone was like completely surprised. <laughs> <laughs> so your team didn't see you and your coach cry. No, they didn't. They were in. They were in. They were in already. They were warming up. But it was like, I wish I could have had a video of this. It was pretty entertaining because I could see the LMU guys like walking around us, you know? And and I'm like, I just, I was, and you know, uh, anyone who has kids knows that like, when I saw my son and my daughter born, when I first found out they're pregnant, even this time, Charlotte, uh, it's a, it's emotional and like being a father is like nothing else. Um, uh, it's completely changed my life. So, uh, having kids is amazing. I, I actually tell people, I always regret that I waited so long. Nice. So, <laughs> but you're on your way. You're on your way. The way. Now, yeah, now. <laughs> the party, party of five. That's what we keep calling it. Party of five. <laughs> That's awesome. Alex, tell us a little bit about your relationship with USA Water Polo. You've had a, a few roles there and you've been mm-hmm. there for, for a bit. Um, and you mentioned um, your experience at the 2016 Rio Olympics. Can you tell us a little bit about your roles there and then kind of dovetail into the Olympics? Yeah. So um, as you said, I've, I've been associated in different ways. Uh, again, our sport's smaller, snitch, especially when as a pepperine. Um, I was pretty involved in uh, something called Premier League at that time. And then when I came over here, uh, obviously coaching men and women, I was involved with like our development levels of the women's side. And, uh, but honestly, I was kind of uh, stepping back a little bit. My, my wife coaches as well. 
And um, I stopped doing that. It was like a three-year gap that I, I wasn't involved in anything. And uh, um, we go forward. And after the 2012 Olympics, Terry Schroeder, who's actually my college coach, um, steps down. And they hire a new guy named uh, Dejan Udovicic. He's a Serbian head coach. He's, uh, he's a two-time bronze medal, three-time world champion, gold medalist uh, as a coach. Uh, his Serbia team that he developed from junior level to senior level is still considered the best team in the world right now. Um, he he uh, takes the realm and uh, immediately kind of opens up all the positions of the pipeline team. So the way USA Water Polo works and most uh, Olympic development programs work is you have the senior team, which doesn't matter how old you are. It's completely open. The best, the best players, so the best. And then normally you have like a 20 and under, an 18 under, a 16 under. And then some of the European teams will even have a, a 14 under uh, national team. And then you have head coaches on those. And then if you're good, if you're 14, you might get thrown up to 16. It's like, if you're good enough, you get thrown up. It's all about development, uh, especially the European teams. Um, but um, I applied for the 18 and the 20 under team positions. Um, and when he was going through the job and it was, it, I, I was not a sexy pick at any, uh, any means, you know, at that time, you know, I've been here for a while and I do get kind of looked down a little bit um, in the community as a division three coach. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people don't understand the lack of uh, training that we, we uh, have, um, mm -hmm. you know, and if you're a division one player, you're training on the men's side, you're training, all summer with your team and you also you have scholarships you have international players you're playing a bunch of summer stuff you're playing in spring too but spring mm. is more limited to training just in in-house but summertime you're training like as as a group and competing against other teams mm -hmm. and then we generally practice about 10 days before we play our first game um, wow. on the men's side and on the women's side we have a little bit more but we have normally two or three weeks before we play our first game but by the time we play our first game, John, on the women's side, you have half the teams are in halfway through their season. Like they have, they've played about 30 games. They probably have 15, 16 games under their belts. And on the women's side, not much in the summer, not division one wise, but they'll start up pretty much in the fall and train all fall, play one competition and two competitions in the fall, and then start like pretty much right after Christmas and New Year's, uh, depending on the program and train. And we don't start until January. 15th and uh we normally start playing games like february so um it's just uh it's it's completely different in regards to uh the that aspect um so it just makes it hard you know we lose we lose dramatically to some of those top d1 teams and you know in this community people are like man why are you even playing like a usc ucla and uh and honestly our sport's so small that that you know we're kind of in the middle of both you know, if you took off 40, 50 teams on the men's side, we're anywhere between that 15 and 25 range, depending on the year. On the women's side, we're a little bit lower because there's more teams, more D1, more scholarships. Um, so we're probably in that 25 to 30 range. So, I, and if you know me at all, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather play the teams better than us than the teams worse than us. Um, so, um, yeah, I think when I applied, he uh he just looked at my resume and he didn't he didn't know or care he wasn't looking i think in in any field 
you have uh, people get take, take care of their people. So like, you know, in the past, it's like, oh, if you're Olympian, you're just gonna hire another Olympians. Or if you're from a certain college, you're gonna hire people from that college. And, and he didn't care about that. And I remember after he hired me, he hired me first as a junior team coach, the 20 and under coach. And then, uh, and then immediately I was moved down to 18s because uh, he reshuffled everything pretty quickly. So I did 18s and I was not hired as an assistant coach. But um, the second assistant coach at that time was a volunteer. And I think the guy that they hired originally was not was looking for more and um, quickly disappeared, it seemed like. And I thought as a pipeline coach, I should be at every senior team practice. And I, me as like a kind of a, a nerd, uh, in a little bit I would love to like just sit there and watch to see how the best in the world are training that's one of my favorite things I have uh in regards to USA Water Polo I get to I get to see the best coaches in the world train mm -hmm. and um and steal ideas and see what they're doing and 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 learn from that so I actually showed up to a bunch of practices and then eventually he started including me in the practice and then I felt like eventually he was like hey do you want to go on some trips and and slowly but surely like I was, I, I, I would tease him because, um, I don't think I was ever like, Hey, you're the second assistant coach, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it just, you know, I'm just going on trips and I'm, I'm involved and it, it was tough. It was tough doing the youth. I mean, there would be times that like my first trip was almost six and a half weeks. So I went, uh, I went a week and a half to Italy with the youth team and we were three weeks in Istanbul. Uh, and then from Istanbul, I went to Serbia for like half a week and then Kazakhstan for a week and and that and that Serbia Kazakhstan was with the senior team everything else was with the youth team so I I, I did that a couple of times um which um just made it challenging to have a family and kids and balance the Pomona Pitzer program um you know I coach I coach two teams you know I'm, uh so I have to recruit for both I have you know I have to do twice as much basically and um and then to do the national team stuff uh, which requires just a lot of travel, a lot of time, uh, a lot of stress. It's a, it's, <laughs> um, it's a very stressful opinion, uh, uh, environment. And then um, I think the real Olympics, like I, I've had to talk about this a couple of times recently, but um, I just, I remember getting so nervous. Um, and the Olympics, they have a call room. Most, most world championships, they'll have a call room. So they, you go warm up in a pool away from the facility. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, you know, they'll walk the team into, you know, they'll have a, like basically announcements where the team walks up, but the coaches have to be with the team. And then we, we go sit on the bench. So I just don't remember walking behind our second goalie um, into the arena. And I mean, at that moment, I was like, uh, I'm about to walk in and to Olympics. Like this is, I and just, I completely panicked. <laughs> um, but um it's it's definitely I I I have an appreciation now for more professional sports or more um, like the pressure that is in the Olympics is unlike anything I can compare uh, to in 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 my small sport and I I had a vision of like what an NBA guy or NFL guy or NBA uh, you know with the media with people constantly stopping you and asking for pictures. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for like Michael Phelps now. Uh, a lot of people have different opinions of him, but he stays in the village. A lot of like the more, more noter, noter, ah, I can't even talk right now. Uh, the more popular athletes, uh, 
like the NBA guys, they stay in a cruise ship. They're not in the, in the village, but he stays in the village and he eats in the meal halls like everybody else. And he gets stopped constantly asked for pictures. And I never saw him one single time, um, be disrespectful or, you know, and, and he has so much pressure, you know, he's, he's swimming basically with a camera in his face the, the whole time. And, um, uh, I, I have a lot of respect for that uh, scenario for what he does and what he did. And some of those athletes too. I mean, it's a lot of pressure, a lot of stress. Um, the media aspect, the scheduling, the traffic in Brazil was horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, it would take us like 45 minutes. They basically had the two lane. I felt bad for Brazilians. They had two lane highway and they would like block one off for Olympic vehicles only. So, you know, people complain about LA traffic. It's like you have two lanes of packed people without the Olympics going on, you know, trying to get somebody somewhere. And now they're saying, Oh, we're going to give the Olympic, uh, uh, vehicles, buses, everything, one lane. And you guys are all stuck at one lane. I mean, it was, it was horrible. It would take us probably, you know, an hour and a half to get somewhere where it may, might've been a 25 minute drive without traffic. So I couldn't imagine what those people were going through to try to get from like one spot to one spot. So the, the coronavirus outbreak has obviously, you know, upended uh, athletic competitions at every level, from yep. toddlers up to professionals. Um, what's the impact been so far on your athletes and your programs? Um, well, I think uh, USA Water Polo, Pomona Pitzer. Oh well, both. All of them. All of them. <laughs> oh um, yeah, I guess. Uh, USA, it's been difficult. I think. Um, I I feel really bad is for the women's team because uh you know men's water polo is in the fall and women's water polo is in the spring so the women's team which is the best in the world uh those girls took off the whole year so they took off fall and and obviously spring our athletes took off spring um which at the end of the day now that actually does, doesn't hurt them as much because like almost everybody's taking off the spring um and they're trying to sign up for some jc classes but um, it, it's difficult because, you know, we have older players. We have Jesse Smith. He's, uh, he's a father of four. He's on the team. And I think for sure this was his last go around. Now he has to try to figure out how he's going to, you know, hopefully, because um, I don't think anyone knows how long this is going to last and, um, and, and how things are going to go. Like, you know, I think there's going to be similar to like 9-11 where there's going to be a lot of changes after um, I heard someone say that no one's going to shake hands anymore. Um, uh, simplest, simplest one. Um, but there's going to be a lot of changes in the future and we don't know the answer. Um, you know, I'm, my wife knows I've been, my wife wanted to bring the kids and her mother and my friend to the Olympics, um, to support me and watch. And now we're trying to get money back from the airlines for their, their flights. And so I, 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 there's a lot of aspects other than like all the horrible things are happening to people. Um, there's a lot of aspects up in the air and, um, um, you know, they rescheduled the Olympics for 2021. So now like, and even for me, I'm not sure I, I'm worried about my, um, uh, position because I took a sabbatical this spring to be there for full-time training. And it's like, well, Pomona, give me another, you know, basically you get, uh, a sabbatical every a full year every seven years or half semester a half a, a semester half year every uh three and a half years 
you know, will, will I get another one to, to maintain? Like we train in Torrance. Um, I drive basically, we do double practices every day except for Wednesday. And, uh, so I drive in the morning. I leave here around 4.15 to Torrance. I normally stay at Starbucks until practice. And then I honestly stayed at night, Monday and Tuesday nights there, uh, because Torrance is literally the farthest place away from Upland. <laughs> <laughs> it's like six freeways. It's like six freeways. I mean, there's no direct yeah. route there, you know? It's yeah. Like, I, didn't, I didn't realize how difficult this would have been. Um, I used to complain. We used to train in Orange County, which, you know, obviously with traffic could be a couple of hours, but normally it was like 45, 50 minutes. I could, I could do that. I can't, I can't do two hours one way. Um, especially now uh, my seventh year of doing this. Um, so I was staying, I was staying out there quite a bit on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights. I would stay. And then Friday nights I would just, I would just eat the traffic and just try to get home to be with the kids as much as I can. So, um, yeah, putting all that, there, there's a lot of things that are unknown. Uh, you know, for us, uh, there's 12 teams in Olympics, so two brackets of six. And nine teams have already been kind of confirmed, but there's three teams that need to still be confirmed in, the, in, in a tournament. When are they going to be able to schedule that? It was supposed to be, uh, it was supposed to be two weeks yeah. ago. And then mm-hmm. now FINA, which is our governing board, is trying to to schedule the tournament in July, possibly. But are we going to be? Are we? Is everything going to be ready in July? You know. So, uh, and and if you keep pushing that back, I mean, that's I read something that there's only 55 percent of the the athletes have qualified for Olympics. So you, you're talking about a lot of qualifications still need to happen for the Olympic Games. So. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, the revenue loss to travel. I mean, a lot of people bought their tickets and obviously the airlines are not giving them back the money easily. And, uh, uh, and, and that's, I'm just discussing the health concerns and the, the loss of life that we've had, we've had already, and we're going to have more obviously, um, Japan came out with a lot more, um, cases recently. so, um, but pitcher wise, yeah, I feel I I, I feel bad for the seniors. You know, they don't get to do their graduation. Uh, the girls, you know, we don't we didn't we did not have any seniors on the team, but they were playing pretty well. And to have their season just ended like this is unheard of um, uh, in recent time that the NCAA just canceled and uh, and to be stuck. You know, I I know I love it being stuck at home with my kids because I. I um, there was a point here that my, in the first 10 days, I was like, man, I haven't been home 10 days since probably like 2008, 2009. Like, I can't even remember. Like, um, so to just for me, I was like loving it. And I get to play with the kids. I make breakfast every morning. My wife, my wife is a, a extra exercise a monster. So we, she gets me up every morning and works me out. And I, it's, yeah, it's really sad actually to have a, a woman nine and a half months pregnant still be able to beat you in uh hit workouts and yoga yoga. but um yeah it's a it's it's for me it's been great i i'm i'm loving it i'm we we have a we're pretty lucky to have a pretty nice house and lots of space and uh uh, the kids are probably i think the kids are trying to go a little loco with the rain not being able to go outside but um but uh i i've enjoyed the 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 family time i'm hoping everyone's just trying to make the best of uh what's going on and just focusing on like trying to self-improvement, um, trying to keep the people you love close to you because you never know what, with what's going on. 
Alex, what are some of the, so you're also an associate professor of physical education. What are some of the mm-hmm. classes that you teach? So uh, I've taught, uh, you know, one teased me because I used to teach archery. So archery, swim <laughs> fitness, beginning swim, uh, weight training. I've taught uh, lifeguarding in the past. Um, I love, uh, I love my beginning swim. That's, that's the one that um, I think we talked earlier in this about uh, seeing someone at the first time be able to swim and getting that confidence. And I, and I, the older I get, the more I realize life is just about confidence. It's just confidence, confidence, confidence. And, um, and I think for me at Pomona Pitzer, um, trying to bridge that gap, uh, cause we're not, I don't think we're still, even at Pomona Pitzer athletics has changed a lot in the last four or five years. Um, uh, changed a lot in the last four or five years. It's been, um, it's been an amazing experience to see some non-athletic, non-sports kid cross over. So for my beginning swim class, seeing, seeing kids, Lily, it, it, it's something that I think every student at Pomona Pitzer should have to, and, and guess is Pomona specifically for me now, um, should be able to swim. Um, and to see kids overcome their fears uh, is, is remarkable. Because to me, swimming is like so natural, so easy. And to see these kids come in and we take them to Pendleton where they could stand and they can hold on to the wall and they're, they're scared to let go of the wall. I'm like, wait, you can stand, like just relax. And, <laughs> you know, getting them to relax, getting them to float on their back and seeing the, the steps of that. Um, my weight training class, I know I enjoy it quite a bit. I kind of have the same philosophy in all my classes. You know, I kind of break them up into like more advanced kids. Um, you know, to me, it's spending more time like preparing their workout and just chatting with them than spending a lot of like one-on-one time. I try to focus on the medium and the beginner levels. So like for weight training, I have, we always have athletes that are like, uh, athletes, you know, uh, playing sports, you know, show me your workout that your coach gave you or now that Greg gave you and go at it and I'll give you a little critiques. I'll help you spot. Um, but I try to focus on the kids who are scared of going in the weight room. Uh, we have kids all the time that are scared and they just don't have that confidence. So, you know, I basically, I kick out everybody the first like half of the semester. And then as, as they get confident with the machines and the workouts, I, um, I, I open it up. So it turned into sometimes depending on such an afternoon class it turned into kind of a madhouse with a bunch of kids. Um, but I want that, little girl that is scared to go get her workout and not worry about the big football guy. And cause he looks scary. Like you got to get your own workout. Cause at the end of the day, they're not going to be 19, 20, 21, 22 years old forever. They're going to be 30. They're going to be 40. They're going to be 45. And they're going to have to go maybe before work and get a workout in. And they're going to have to have the confidence to like, Hey, I know this person's here. Maybe he's big. He looks like he knows what he's doing, but it doesn't matter. I'm doing my workout. I need to get my, my time in and then get out. So I, I enjoy that, that connection with those type of kids. Um, and, uh, I loved it. My archery class was, I remember, uh, I don't know if it was archery could be kind of boring to teach because, you know, once you get them, once you teach them the mechanics, it's just them shooting, you know, repetition and there's not a lot of engagement, uh, for the, the instructor at times. But I, I loved it because I, I would try to shoot with them and um, it's such a relaxing, I think sometimes in my life, I feel like it's going fast and going crazy. And it was just a moment where you, you just focus on your breathing, you focus on your, your stance and um, 
I don't know, there's something like calming about like, like letting go of an arrow and seeing it fly across uh, the air and hitting a target correctly. So um, kind of zen, I enjoyed my right? process. Huh? It's, it's kind of zen. Yeah, very, very zen, very zen. Frustrating though, because, you know, it, it, <laughs> there's times that you don't feel right and you can't figure it out and you can't get that relaxed. You can't get that stance. And, uh, but yeah, taking a moment, I, I think, you know, with our world right now, so much social media, having a little bit more of a, a zen, being within yourself, enjoying the moment, enjoying where you're at, being knowing that you're in the, you're in the spot you're supposed to be at and, and being quiet mind-wise is super important. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up. We've been talking with Sajin head water polo coach, Alex Rodriguez. Thanks, Alex. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing your teams back in the water one of these days. Go Hens. Yeah, thank you. I, I'm, I'm hopeful we're about to be back, be back in the fall. Um, but uh, I just want to wish everyone uh, health and uh, stay safe, stay home, social distance. And uh, uh, yeah. I wish everyone the best. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, guys. And to all who stuck with us this far, thanks for listening to SageCast, the podcast of Pomona College. Stay safe, and until next time.